What determines the decisions you make? What is the authoritative figure guiding you? Is the word of God your authority? Hi, I'm Fami Asabin, a preacher for the Church of Christ. Thank you for tuning in to today's sermon, Who Has Authority Over You? Taken from Matthew 7, 28 through 29. These questions about who holds authority over us helps us to see what we truly align our lives with. Many people, like those who heard Jesus preach the Sermon on the Mount, acknowledge Jesus' authoritative preaching and agree it's good, yet they don't wholeheartedly obey it because there's another authority governing them. Hopefully, we not only recognize Jesus' authoritative words, but follow them as well and make them the authority in our lives so we can make heaven our home. Authority. When you think of it, we all have an authoritative figure authority over our lives. It's not always professed by what we say. It's demonstrated more in what we do, how we live. You see, many people say they support this government until this government makes decisions in which conflicts with what they really believe in, what is really their authoritative figure. And when that happens, they go against the government because they don't want to betray what they have set up to be the authority in their lives. That could be themselves. That could be their religion. That could be their finances. It could be anything. But the authority in a person's life is demonstrated when you have to make a decision to go right or to go left and something forces you, forces you to live to a standard that the authority dictates. And when you do that, you can generally justify why you're defying what is perceived as authority for what you really profess to be the authority in your life. You see, we've come to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. We've read all the precepts that Jesus has taught. We've, we've come across the standard of living that is necessary to inherit the kingdom of earth. And what we must acknowledge, like the crowds do, is that Jesus taught them as one having authority, not as the scribe. You see, in the manifestation of the teaching of Jesus Christ, there presented an authority that wasn't present with the scribes, with the Pharisees. And this was understood by all who heard what Jesus taught. You see, what usually happened with the scribes and the Pharisees is that they encountered the words of Moses and that was authoritative for them. And what they did was they interpreted, they explained it 
much like what a preacher does today. Preachers do not have an authoritative word outside of the word of God. So what we do is we explain and we interpret, but we cannot add any binding stipulations to it because we do not have the authority that Jesus had. But there's a difference in recognizing the authority somebody possesses and submitting to that authority. And for briefly, that's the thought that I want to put on our minds because we've gone through this whole sermon. We spent a couple of weeks hearing what Jesus Christ has taught in one of the most lengthiest sermons recorded in scripture from his words. And it has challenged us. It has called us to question, do we really accept Jesus as the authority in our lives? Or do we hear the words that he has said and we choose another authority? Because in the closing of the sermon, he presented two ways of life. The straight and narrow, the broad and wide, the wise, the foolish, the house on a rock, the house on the sand. Those who will inherit the kingdom of earth because they heard the words of Christ and they did them. Those who will not inherit the kingdom of earth because they heard the words of Christ and they didn't do them. What? are we allowing to be the authority of our lives? And as we consider that, and we consider the fact that we can hear an authoritative message, we must acknowledge that just because we recognize a message to be authoritative doesn't mean that we will follow it. Take, for instance, the Jews in this context. Now, right here, they acknowledge that Yes, Jesus is teaching different from the scribes and the Pharisees and that he has an authority embedded in his message that they don't. But yet and still, when you get to the end of the gospel of Matthew, these same people, I presume, are the ones who are yelling, crucify him because the scribes and Pharisees have influence and that influence is the real authority in the crowd's lives. And so they would rather have Barabbas than Jesus in their midst. Because the scribes and Pharisees want to get rid of the Christ. And they were the authoritative religious figures of the day with whom the people felt comfortable following. So it's not just a matter of recognizing that these words of Christ are valid. It's not just in knowing that Jesus Christ is the son of God and that he really does have the words to eternal life. It's something deeper than that. Because if that was just the case, then everybody who came to church, everyone who read the Bible would be saved they would have took these words and applied them to their lives. But what happens? 
They recognize them. They see that they're valid. They even like a part of the message. But as people do, they discard what's not comfortable. They disregard what doesn't align with what they want because there's another authority guiding their lives. So as we consider what Jesus has preached in this lengthy sermon, we must safeguard ourselves so that we will not end up like the Jews who heard his message. All throughout scripture, Jesus condemns them. You of little faith in which he's talking to his disciples, whom he really originally was speaking to. But then also he talks about how these Jews, they don't even have the same faith as the centurion who came and said, Jesus, come heal my servant, but don't come to my house because I'm not worthy to have you there. Just say the word because I'm a man of authority and I know that if I say go, then it'll be done. If I say do, then it'll be done. And you have a greater authority than I do. So all you have to do is speak the word to have my servant healed because you really have authority that will manifest what you want. And Jesus says the Jews, they didn't present that type of faith in his message. So we don't want to be like them. And we don't also want to be like the Pharisees and the scribes of the law because they had spent their lives studying, knowing, memorizing, and embodying the words of Moses, but not the message. You see, the scribes was a class of Jews who would write the laws over and over and over. So they knew them. The Pharisees was the class of Jews who would study the laws over and over and over. So they taught them. And at one point, Jesus says, the scribes sit in the seat of Moses, do as they say, but not as they do. Why? Because they know the words of the law. They understand what's written, but their heart's not right. Because as one point Jesus says, they love the praises of man more than the praise of God. You see, what was authoritative for them was the praises that they received. And so they did things which put them in position to get it. They wore long phylacteries in public. They prayed long prayers and loud prayers on the corner so people could see them. They gave alms so that people would know that they're giving. And Jesus condemns them in this very sermon because the things that they did appeared religious, made them seem pious, but their heart was not right because they didn't give God's word the proper authority in their lives. They set themselves up to be the authority. At one point, they're asking Jesus, by what authority do you do these things? 
They get mad because they see him healing people. They get upset because they see that he tells a man that his sins are forgiving and they say that he's blaspheming. Yet they've seen the miracles he's done. They've heard the teaching that he has presented, but it rubbed up against what they wanted to accept is true. So they denied his authority so much so to the fact that they condemned themselves, knowing the very words of Moses, which pointed to Christ. They knew the law, but it did them no good. And so we don't want to set ourselves up to be like them. But we do want to acknowledge that the Bible is an authoritative word in our lives. And what we must do is accept the Bible wholeheartedly as the authoritative word in our lives because there's a lot of messages that present themselves as authorities. One authority is your career. You must do this so that you could be on the right track to receive the benefits of being in this job, this position, this career. Another authority that sets itself up is your family. You have to do this as the person that you are in this family so that you can have or present what you perceive to be the right image. Another one is our friends. To fit in with us, you must think like, do like, be like we are so that you can be accepted. And we can go on and on and look at all of these other factors, all these other notions, these concepts, ideas that could present themselves as an authoritative figure in our lives. But no matter what they are, if it's not the word of God, it's going to lead us away from God. And while we might profess to say that Christ is an authority in my life, what really proves it? Are the actions that we do. And so it's difficult because that takes sitting down and really thinking what do my actions lead to? Because as we've read the Sermon on the Mount, a lot of what Jesus has called us to is contrary to what we would naturally do. Live your lives, not for the now, but for the later to inherit the kingdom of earth. Exemplify this message so much so that you're willing to suffer, to be shamed, to be humiliated, so God could be glorified. Understanding that, You might have to be ridiculed, suffer pain, and do nothing but wait.
for God's vindication. If somebody asks you for something, give it to them. If they want to borrow, let them borrow. Why? Because that's what Jesus said. And in understanding that's what Jesus said, it begs the question, do I really believe what he said? Am I going to take this message at face value or am I going to find some way to justify not doing what he says the way he says doing it? Because that doesn't make sense to me. If we do this, we have set ourselves up as the authority and not Jesus. And what makes this a little bit more difficult is because it's not just with the Sermon on the Mount that we have to do this with. It's with Scripture in its entirety that we must have the integrity to say, if God said it, I'm going to do it, and that's that. Because Scripture wouldn't have needed to be left behind as instructive for our lives if it was something that we naturally did. If we lived our lives without sin, if we lived to a godly standard from the moment we were born, we would not need instructions. We would not need God's spirit in us to lead us to do what he wants. But we're not born like that naturally. We all have things we have to overcome in our lives. We all read passages of scripture to where we see that we do not align up to. And then when that happens, we must have the humility to allow God's word to be the authority in our lives and align our wills with his. You see, we have to respect God's word. We have to acknowledge it, but we also must respect it because if not, what will happen is we'll be like the Jews who see that it's good, who understands that its source is from heaven that he teaches something different than any other thing that I've come into contact with. But when those who have control over me in a worldly sense say, go against it, I go against it. And I could be found amongst the crowd saying, crucify him. Who shall I release to you, Jesus of Nazareth or Barabbas? Barabbas. Then what shall I do? With this Jesus of Nazareth, crucify him. Every time we choose sin, we're saying crucify him because it's easier to accept the ungodly in our midst than it is to stand against the crowd and take a stand with Jesus when everybody else is shouting against him. So we recognize Jesus's authority and we respect it by doing it. We respect it by not placing any other teaching, doctrine, understanding on the same levels with the words, the message of Scripture, because we know when we do that, we're going to be off track. Because just like Jesus said, there's only two roads. The straight and narrow or the broad and wide. Because if we're not following the authority of Jesus, we're following the authority that is present in this world, which is really 
under the authority of Satan. Remember what he told Jesus when he tempted him? When he presented all the kingdoms of of the earth to him in a moment? He said, bow down to me and I will give you all of this. This has been given to me. He has authority over this world that God has allowed him to have. The prince of the air. But he will be defeated by Jesus on his return. So it's really important that we recognize if Jesus is not the authority of our life, then Satan is, no matter how disguised it presents itself as. And then when we consider this authority of Christ, we're forced to consider why do we submit to the authority of Christ? Well, let me put it this way. When somebody has authority over you and they love you, what are they looking to do with that authority that they have? Protect you. Put you in a situation to where your love is grown, to where the love that they have for you is demonstrated. Think of your parents. Think of your friends. You might even extend this to a boss or two who really cared for you. What they tried to do with the authority that they had over you was put you in a position that benefited you. They didn't tell you anything wrong because they cared for you. And what Christ is doing with the authority that he has over us is he's trying to tell us how to be so that we can be with God for eternity. And sometimes that means telling us a hard truth. Not because he wants to see us suffer, but because he wants to see us be the best that we can be. So we must not shun the authority. We must not be upset when they cause us to aspects of our lives that we really didn't want to deal with because it was uncomfortable, it was painful, but when we deal with it, it actually makes us better because we addressed it. And that's what authority will do. It will look at you for who you are and call you to the best version of yourself if they love you, if they care for you. Because what's good for you is also good for them. And if we consider that those who have authority over us really want what's best for us, it leads us to this other thought. We need something to have authority over us. Whether it's a, our own selves, which I hope it's not. But we need a guiding principle. We need something to differentiate between right and wrong for us or we will spin our wheels and waste our times chasing after the wind. And in Jesus giving us that authority, he defines 
what's right and what's wrong, what's beneficial and what's not beneficial. Because not everything that we are told not to do is necessarily a sin, is necessarily evil. But as Paul will say in one of his letters is, there are some things that are expedient, there's some things that are not. Some things are permissible and some things are not permissible. But I can't go around doing any and everything because it's not all edifying to me. So I need somebody at some point to tell me you need to set your focus on this. And I believe that's what the Holy Spirit does for each and every one of us. Because what God has done is he has left us the Holy Spirit to let us recognize the gift that he has placed in us for the purpose of upbuilding the church. You see, we all have a gift. We all have something deposited in us by God for the purpose of building up his church. And that gift defines for us where we need to put our focus at and where we don't. And it's important that we recognize that because if we allow the Holy Spirit to be the authority in our lives, we won't be chasing rabbits. We'll recognize what God is calling us to and we'll put our energies there. You see, he's given some the gift of ministry. He's given some the gift of giving, some the gift of praying, some the gift of encouragement. See, God has given us all a spiritual gift that if we take the time to learn, to grow in, we will build up his kingdom. And that's important because if you never find yourself, you could get lost, never really reaching your full potential never accomplishing what God had for you to do because you didn't allow yourself to be guided by the Spirit. And when we think of the authority that Jesus had, we recognize that it was just more than words. He demonstrated this authority in multiple ways. He had authority over the winds and the waters. He calmed the seas with just his voice. Peace be still. And this astonished his disciples. He had authority over the demons. He cast out demons with just the word. He had authority over the body. A bunch of people were sick and had ailments, were deaf and mute and blind. And he just gave a word and they could see, they could talk, they could walk. Jesus had authority that extended past his teachings. And he has the authority to forgive sins which we all encounter when we're baptized. He even goes on to say at the end of this gospel, when he's going to transcend up to heaven after he has laid down his life and rose in three days later and has taught his disciples a little bit more in depth, he said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. And then what does he do with it? He authorizes his followers to go and to invite the rest of the world 
an invitation to heaven. To teach people what it takes to be saved. To exemplify to the world what it means to be filled with the Spirit. To participate with God in his saving of the world. And how does that happen? Simple. Teaching. The very thing that Jesus demonstrated his authority to the crowds through is just telling people how they're to live, how they are to have a relationship and be the people that God has called us all to be. He has given us authority to teach. We don't have to do miraculous acts and heal people with the word. We don't have to cast out demons. We don't have to walk on water. We don't have to do all of these grandiose things. All Jesus asks us to do is to teach. It's something that at some point we should get comfortable with. And I'm not saying that we need to know the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation, but we should be able to tell somebody that we come into contact with. What does God require of us? What must we do to be saved? Tell a Bible story. Exemplify the spirit walking in you. Live out your calling by expressing your spiritual gift. Teaching. Leading people to Christ. Helping people understand what it takes to be baptized. And you do that. You'll be showing people the source of all authority. You don't make it about you. You make it about God. Because if they reject you, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting God. And they have to answer to God for that. Because that's who everybody is going to have to stand before. And they're going to have to give account. We're going to have to give account. You're going to have to give account. I'm going to have to give account for all that I've done. And as a Christian, we have been mandated to take these authoritative words of Christ and live them out in our lives. To take what he said at face value and let that be our standard of life. Because Christ has all authority. To live our lives so much so that we're indwelled with God's spirit that people can't help but notice the difference in us, which would create opportunities for us to tell them about Christ. And then just leave it there. We've been authorized to be emissaries for Jesus Christ while we walk this earth. Let's do that. But to do that, 
text differentiating between Christ's authority and all other authority and submitting to his even when we don't want to. We know that some people just naturally defiant by birth. And their obedience at times comes through many stripes. We see there's some kids who just get a licking and keep on ticking. But why do those parents spank them? Because they love them. You read in Hebrews that God disciplines those he loves. So if we find ourselves not doing what we're called to do in Christ, but we're having discipline from a spiritual aspect in our lives, that's because God loves us. And he's trying to get us to submit to his authority. He's trying to get us to be about his business and to take the words of his son seriously. And now there's some that are just naturally compliant who can hear what's right and do it because they don't want to upset the one that they love. And there's a wide range of responses in between. My hope is that no matter where we find ourselves on that spectrum, that we can get to the point to where when we encounter these words of Christ, we say, Jesus said it, I'm going to do it. And that's going to be that. Because if we don't get to that point, we're going to have to answer to Christ when we meet him on judgment day. My hope, my prayer, my desire is that each and every one of us so submit to the authority of Christ that when we get before the seat of judgment, we hear, well done, my faithful servant, and heaven to be our home. No matter what we have to do to make it that. For some, that means we're going to have to change a lot. For others, that means we just have to change a little. But for all of us, that means we're going to have to submit to the authority of Christ. If you need help doing that, find somebody who could help you. Pray about it. It's not always easy because we can't part and parcel the Bible. It's every aspect of our life that it touches. And some things we need more help with than others. I'm not sure where that leaves you. Just hoping that you would consider the next time that you read scripture and you come across a passage that's difficult, that you learn to humble yourself and say, if God said it, then I'm going to do it, no matter what it costs. And as I say these words, I have a mirror to myself because that's something that we all must do. And nobody has a monopoly on obedience. We all have things we struggle with. And if we take them to God, he can help us. But we have been brought together in community to help each other as well. 
So if there's any way that anybody could help somebody in this congregation, I, I pray that we have the humility and also the understanding and love to help each other grow where it's necessary so that our time here will actually benefit us towards making heaven our home. The message is yours as together we stand and sing. I'm not sure where that sermon leaves you. My prayer is that you will contemplate it and incorporate it into your Christian life. If you're not a Christian, I ask, what's stopping you? God sent his son, Jesus, to freely extend the gift of salvation to all who will follow him. To get that salvation, one must follow the example set out in scripture. The book of Acts, which details the church's beginnings and expansion, shows us biblical examples of those who were saved. A good place to look is in Acts 2. You get Peter preaching the first gospel sermon and the response of those who heard and believed his message. They repented and were baptized, which added them to the church Christ established. The Bible only teaches of one church. If you want to be added to it, go to your local church of Christ and tell them your desire to be washed of your sins and to live a godly life. Study your Bible, put its teachings to practice, and you will make heaven your home.